It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Films Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, now. So, Matt, how you feeling? Well, I don't know, Kyle. I'm, I'm anxious to get the episode underway. I've had a long day at work, so I'm glad we're in the studio talking some hockey again. I feel like that sentiment is going to be shared around the room. We're glad to be talking some hockey today, boys. Yeah, I, I know something was off because normally he says, hey, guys, and he just said, hey, now, for the intro. Oh. So, oh. swapping it up a little bit today. He's he's mentally off, but I think it's going to make for some good hot takes maybe later on in the episode. We'll see. Channel that that uh, anger, and, and let's see where we get. Let's, let's have a good hockey fight. Well, then we'll get started right away into the our league news, and we'll start off with the Edmonton Oilers. So I don't know if you guys saw the injury to Evander Kane. He is out three to four months after get an injury to his left wrist where it looked like he had a, um, in their November 8th game in Tampa Bay, he was uh, playing second period. He collides with defenseman Felipe Myers and then hits the ground. And then forward Pat Maroon skates over his wrist. And next thing you know, Evander Kane is like grabbing his wrist and off to the hospital. And, you know, as much as flack has been given about the guy, nobody wants to have an injury like that. Yeah, it was super scary. Um, Watching some of the replays for this, you know, it, it was just a freak accident. You know, like he he had fallen backwards, and usually where the glove protects your wrists, when he fell back, it kind of like exposed his wrist, and then he got ran over. But the crazy part is the amount of blood that was on the ice, like immediately, like how deep it lacerated. Apparently, it was lacerated under the bone. They said, um, yeah, and he got up immediately, which was great. His reaction time was fantastic. He went straight over to the bench because he's sitting there technically bleeding out. So um, the account from some of the officials in the arena staff were that people were just like screaming, yelling, help, 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 as they were taking him back into the uh, the room for the paramedics to try to get to him to stabilize him. So, um, yeah, I mean, as much crap as you want to give him, um, yeah, that that's a scary incident. Um, you don't want to see that for anybody. And uh, fortunately, he was okay. I did see uh, around the league, though, or around the uh, the Twitter sphere, that uh, people were saying that fortunately, this injury happened at a rank that they had access to the locker room quickly. There's also ranks that you have to go like across the way, you know, like how they have to prop the door open and they have to go like around a back way. And they said, if this would have happened on any other rank like that, who knows what the outcome could have been. Um, the fact that he did have quick access to the paramedics and the locker room and the staff, um, definitely was, um, fortunate for him, but, uh, just an interesting point, you know, for those leagues that kind of don't have access right now in those arenas. Yeah. When I saw this, you know, you guys who don't know me, uh, I'm a, I work in surgery. I'm a medical professional. So whenever I see things like this, it like, kind of hits me close to home. I see it and I was like, oh, it almost brought me to tears because I can see that. I'm like, dude, your life almost got ruined right there. Yeah. Freak accident. So I he, it was, I thought he did an amazing job to notice it as quick as he did, just immediately got up and was holding his wrist, trying to put pressure on it because he knew something was wrong. And so, you know, it 
especially for athletes who experience pain all the time, it's, I thought it was really remarkable that he knew, Hey, this is a little bit different. This situation here, this was a, this was a deep laceration. So he knew to get off the ice and get it taken care of. But, uh, I guess maybe to make light of a difficult situation, you know what I think got him the most here in the situation, Kyle? What's that? I think what got him the most here, it wasn't, you know, the bending over the backwards. It wasn't, you know, the scrumble with, with Philip Meyer. I think it was really, you know, karma that got him here in this in this play. Because he's, he's kind of a jerk to everybody, so I'm not going to call it karma, but I'm just going to say uh, he's a guy that doesn't have the best reputation in the league. So maybe that's my hot take for the day because I'm mad. But, uh, yeah, never want to see a player get injured, though, to be honest. Well, how do you feel about uh, Nick Eilers? I'm sorry, Nick Eilers getting out for the season because he's got a sports hernia. And I'm not the most um, well-versed in what a hernia is, but it sounds very, very painful. Uh, not really painful, but uh, it is awkward. And it can get if it's not taken care of, it gets worse, like immeasurably worse. So you got you got taken care of it. Like, so yeah, it's important. Can't they rupture and stuff? Like that's the, yeah, that's the real. And they get, they get bigger and then body parts start going out of the hole where they don't belong and it, it turns into a bigger issue. So yeah, you got I just didn't know what a sports hernia is. Is that just one that happens while playing sports yeah, outside of li- weight lifting? Cause I feel like a lot of times they're, you know, usually when you're lifting something is when you get a hernia yeah. or straining. But I found it funny that they called it a sports hernia. Cause I'm like, you're probably still straining and yeah. lifting something and then sounds better though. Sounds cool. Yeah, it sounds yeah, way more interesting, but I mean it does that's a big blow for the Winnipeg Jets, who actually started off really good this year in the Central. So um yeah, definitely going to feel the pains of missing him in the lineup, that's for sure. And then we'll move on to the New Jersey Devils. So Matt, Daniel, I think we're gonna have to seriously consider them as probably possibly winning their division, maybe winning their conference. And who knows, they might be the Stanley Cup champions this year because they've now won their 13th straight game. And let's take a quick look about teams the Devils have beaten since October 25th. They've beaten the Red Wings. Sorry, Matt. They've beaten the Avalanche, the Blue Jackets, the Canucks. They've beaten the Oilers twice, the Flames twice, the Senators twice, the Coyotes, the Canadians, and the Maple Leafs. And it's like continuing to be the Jasper Rat Show I'm sorry, Jesper Bratshow. He's got eight goals, 16 assists. Nico Heischer's right behind him with nine goals and 13 assists. And Jack Hughes, seven goals, 14 assists. Can these guys be stopped? Can the Devils be put down? I'm not going to lie. They have been the team this year, uh, the the underdog team that has come out from nowhere. I mean, you're talking about a .84 win percentage right now. They're 16-3, and three, the only better team which we probably will talk about is Boston right now. They're 17 and 2 to start the year with a plus 40 goal differential. They are smoking this year. Um it seems to be everything's cooking for them, but if you'd have told me going into the year that the New Jersey Devils were going to be on par with Boston and doing something like that coming out the gate and only losing 3, uh no way. Um but once again, I think last episode I did point out that The Devils really took on that rebuild mentality several years ago, and they're now seeing the fruits of their labor. You have all these young players that are absolutely killing it in the league right now. That said, who knows if they can keep up this sustained amount of points and goal scoring. Uh, I mean, time will only tell, but we are almost 20 games in the season. So typically by this point, you can kind of get a feel for where teams are at or where they're trending upward. Um, 
So is this just a really, really, really hot streak and they're going to fizzle out? Um, which we have some other teams to talk about that started off hot that fizzled out recently. So uh, I don't know. We'll see where it pans out about midway through the year. But uh, I'll give it another 20 games before I can uh, officially sign off on them for winning the division. So we'll see. Well, I'm going to go ahead and let you know, Daniel. I'm feeling better already. Just five minutes of talking hockey. I'm in a much better mood. Let me tell you, the New Jersey Devils are kicking some butt this year, and I'm I'm excited. Put me on the bandwagon, baby. I haven't seen them do well in quite a while, so I'm excited to see some fresh blood, some some new stardom down there. they got some some young talent in Jersey that's doing very well. I really love his year, honestly. And uh, I find it interesting, you know, they're doing very well this year. Is that because John Hines left a year and a half ago, or is that just because it's finally coming together? It, something could be said about the connection there. Uh, we could banter about that, but yeah, I'm all I'm all aboard the New Jersey train this year. So sign me up, baby. They already have eight points on Carolina. They're, they're eight points ahead of Carolina. Just to let that sink in, and Carolina's been no slouch this year. I, I mean, Carolina's been good. You always say like at the beginning of the year, getting those points ahead of time yeah. is great because it's building up. Yeah, bank. So, like, even if they do struggle, maybe, you know, have some rough spots, you're still probably getting into the playoffs this year. I know it's been a bit for them. So, it's definitely trending upward that it looks like they are going to make the playoffs regardless of any outcome the rest of the year. So, we'll see about the division, though. Give it another 20 games and then we'll start chiming in. Matt, you're talking about um, teams. Let's go into Boston Bruins here. Your boy, Produce Bergeron, joined the 1000 Point Club last night. And as Daniel said earlier, they're having a great season, too. So, do you think they've got a good possibility to re- hit the cup this year? Yeah, I've kind of been saying I'll take anybody as long as they're not a number one seed. So let me let me see Boston there about a three seed, and I'll be happy. That's like where they like to usually sit at. Is where they don't like to be number one. They don't like to be four. They like to kind of be in the middle somewhere, which is good. So uh, I'm always all aboard uh, the Boston train. I, I like Boston, but they always fizzle out in the playoffs. Last several years, Matt's giving me the frowning face, but we both know – that they haven't been able to get over the hump in the playoffs. They've had a great team the last several years. They've just been one of those teams that could not get through. It seems like there's just been a few teams, like the Flames. I feel like the Flames are another, they're like the opposite conference Boston. You know, like they they seem to do really well during the regular season. They're up there in the top three teams, or at least, you know, maybe top two in the conference, but they never can get past like the second round. Um, Maple Leafs, that'd be another one. Yeah, but the thing with Boston is they've they've been sustaining that playoff presence. They've been perennially in the playoffs for like, you know, what, 10, 12 years now, it feels like. So, you know, they might not always be the best, but they're going to consistently get you to the playoffs. They're going to make it a run. And you just have to get lucky, you know. I said that year that St. Louis won that they just – Bennington just went on a freak run. He's not been nearly as good as he was when they won the Cup. So, other than Bennington, they just kind of had an average, you know, two or three seed team. I don't remember what they were ranked, but they were not a one seed. So, you just got to have one freak player who goes on a crazy run, and usually it's the goalie. If the goalie goes, then, then you got great chances. So, we'll have to see going forward. Well, with that logic, you must really love the Caps and Preds because, you know, they've gotten to the playoffs like how many straight consecutive years? Yeah, so, that's true. Um, I mean, that said, it, it is important to get – like you have to give yourself that chance to get on that hot streak. But I feel like unlike the Predators – Boston is usually in a better spot going into the playoffs, yeah, if that makes sense. For, for like, sure, yeah. Like, they're just, they're a better team usually going into the playoffs, where I think the Predators, 
yes, we've been consistently making the playoffs, but we also want to get lucky, like with a hot goaltender or something. You're trying to get in, and hopefully Saros gets hot, and then you go on a run. Um, but once again, Boston still can't get over the hump. But I, I really feel like this year, if, if they can keep this up, uh, I mean, the sky's the limit for them. And um, it seems to be everything is clicking at the right time, and everyone's coming back from injury too, because if you think about this, Boston started the year without Marchand. He had the hip injury. I think it was double hip surgery. Um, and then I think Bergeron just came back or McAvoy just came back too. So it was like, they've been doing this without everybody and now they're, they're 100% back. So, I mean, they have a really high ceiling this year. So we'll, we'll see. I'm very high on them right now. Well, I'll put it this way. I'm happy to be a Boston fan, even if they don't win the cup. It sounds like you're like a cup or bust for Boston kind of guy I, I'm happy if they make the playoffs if they make a deep run great if they fizzle out that's okay because they're getting me to the playoffs almost every year so I'm a happy camper either way it's good to see them doing well this start of the season so yeah I don't think it's cup or bust uh, I think they probably have another year or two maybe on their window um, they still they have some aging contracts and some of the aging players will it will catch up to them eventually but they've done a really good job at managing the cap over the last several years. But, yeah, they've been off to a smoking start. I mean, only two losses in regulate, uh, regulation so far throughout the whole year. I, I mean, it's fantastic. 19 games played, two losses. That's incredible. Wow. But uh, another hot team, though, Kyle, uh, started off pretty good. But what happened to them? Well, I think you want to know which team we're talking about, the uh, Blues or the Sabres? Uh, I don't know. Pick which one. Well, we'll start off with the Sabres. So after starting the season 7-3-0, and zero, they've now lost eight games in a row, and they've sunk the second to last place in the Atlantic. I think that's right above the Sins. Sorry, I don't think it's the Sins, but whoever the last team place is in the, uh, in the division. And then you've got compared that with St. Louis, which after losing eight games in a row, have now won eight games in a row. So it's held two different teams. And so I'm kind of curious, Matt, are you a Sabres fan or are you a Blues fan? Um. I, neither really. I have really, quite honestly, I've watched a couple Buffalo games this year, and uh, I like the new sweater. We were talking about that last episode. I really like their their jersey this year. I even took a couple screenshots of it to show everybody because I was like, man, this is really gelling. Um, I don't really know what the story with with that is. I don't. I didn't pay enough attention to the Blues to know if it was roster stuff. You know, you know, we always mention at the year, the start of the year, how teams are really fluid with the roster, trying up the rookies, sending up and down. So I don't know if that was a story where they had a guy that was hurt. Is it just their swing of schedule? Are they playing, you know, weak weak teams during that first week or whatever? I'm not really sure what the story with the Blues is yet. So Daniel, any thoughts? Yeah, um, I don't want to say I told you so on Buffalo, but I did say last episode, I'm like, "Mm, we'll see. And sure enough, they showed their, you know, their true colors. I did not think they were going to sustain that for the, the whole year. And sure enough, here we are, and they are just above the Senators. They're only one point ahead of the Senators right now in the Atlantic. So uh, a stellar .389 win percentage for the Buffalo Sabres. For the Blues, I, I just think they struggled with chemistry starting off. Um, it, it seems to be clicking now, um, but at the same time, too, much like the Preds, they dug themselves a hole, and the Predators and the Blues are just now catching back up. Um, they're both roughly around, we both have 20 points right now, so um, dead even as far as points are concerned. So um, they're both clawing their way out. Um, as we've seen, like every single year, the Central is so tight. Every point matters 
at that last week. So, you know, these these teams are really feeling the pressure. And uh, the Minnesota Wild, too, who had really high hopes coming in this year, they're also behind the Preds as well. Um, so they you kind of weren't expecting Dallas to be as good as they were this year and also Winnipeg to be absolutely, uh, you know, crushing it out the gate, and especially with uh, Nick out. So I, I, I don't know. We'll see where everything lands. Uh, I think right now you're starting to see everything kind of normalize because the teams that were at the bottom of the Central are now starting to creep up towards the middle. And then you're starting to see some of those top ones, those win percentages come down just a hair. So uh, I think it'll all even out. But as we're about to go into with the Pred stats, even from our last episode, they are slightly improving. We are trending upward. Uh, the Blues are doing the same thing, which is to be expected because I was I was expecting the Blues to be, you know, two or third in the division this year. So um, anyway, that's where I'm just my thoughts on the Blues. And with that, we will get into the Preds talk. So last time we recorded, boys, Preds were at 24th in the league, and now they're currently sitting at 20th in the league, which is a good, you know, four places up. Last time we recorded, they were 11th in the conference. They're now 10th. Uh, Division-wise, they were 6th. We are now currently 5th. As Daniel alluded to, we've got some normalization going out. And so expect maybe next recording, we're going to be probably maybe 4th, maybe 3rd, depending if we keep this uh, point streak going. So last recording, we were 5-6-1, which is good for a 4-5-8 point percentage. We're now 8. Sorry, we're now 9-8-2 after the homestand. We're now 5-2-6. Our power play didn't have much of a change. Still 28th in the league. Penalty kill went from 8th to 7th. And so our top five Preds and points over since our last recording had some shuffling. Uh, Rowan Yossi jumped into the list and went from second and pushed everybody down. Mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg has got 19 points, which equals 7 goals and 12 assists in 19 games. Roman Yossi, as we said, 16 points in 19 games. That's good for 4 goals and 12 assists. Matt Duchesne is currently 3rd uh, in our list with 15 points, 5 goals, 10 assists. Mikhail Granlin, assist machine again as always, 15 points, 2 goals, 13 assists, doing really well in that top line. And then Neil Niederreiter, who I am seeing is a great pickup from us from Carolina, 11 points, 9 goals, 2 assists in 19 games. And just for Matt, because he can't seem to stand the guy, Yuso Parsonen is going to be our honorable mention. 5 points in 5 games, Matt. And so before we get into anything else, I want to know, what is it you do not like about this guy? Because every time he scores, you're like, I can't stand this scrub. And he's such a good player. He's what we need. Why do you hate him so much? Well, yes, it is true. I have a bit of a disdain for Parsonen because here's the here's the reason why. I don't like scrub rookies coming from the AHL, coming up here, getting a couple goals, thinking they can wheel and deal and they can play with the big boys. I don't like that. They gives them, they make them too cocky. They think they can handle it, and then we send them back down because they they then suck for the next two months. So they're going to ride the bench and send them back down to Milwaukee eventually. And honestly, I'm still on Tolvin and train, baby. It's Tolvin or nothing for me. If I want to see somebody from the AHL. I want to see Tolvin and called up. So not only is Parson and making me mad, but he's also taking the place of, of my boy Tolvin. You're calling up him and this other scrub glass or not glass. Uh, there was somebody. Jankowski. Maybe that's who it Jankowski's was. Jankowski has been the one. There was somebody else. And I was like, you know, I want to see my boy Tolvin up here. So anytime these rookies are doing good, that's taking spots away from, from my boy. Okay. So for me, I, I like you. So, um, I do think he is a good fit for what we've been needing. Your first name basis with him. Already. Hold on, hold on. But, but it does not justify the coaching decisions to have like Jankowski and 
Samford in over Tolvanen. I still don't understand why he scratched. I said this last episode. Once again, Matt and I are on the same wavelength. It does not make sense why you keep bringing up, you know, scrubs and putting them in here. And you have a guy who played how many games last year for us? Even Tomasino, too, who's still still in uh, Milwaukee as a number one center up there. Um, he played, I think, well, we, what do we say, 76 games yes. last year for the Preds. So I, I don't really understand some of the mentality on that. I, you, Uso has been a great sub-in for us, and hopefully he can continue the streak. Like like I said, I, I try to tend to like reserve my high hopes for players after they normalize, kind of like Matt was saying. Like I don't get as upset as Matt. You know, like Matt's like, oh, he came in and he scored a goal. I'm so mad. You know, like uh, good for him, but I want him to s- sustain that. Simply put, like if if he is this good, then maybe ten games from now, fifteen games from now, if he's still on a point per game basis, okay, I, I'm okay. Just keep him in, keep letting him develop. That's fantastic. He seems to be a very good uh, net front presence. He's very large, something that you actually do like. Reminded uh, me just a bit of RV. Yeah, uh, but way bigger. Obviously, he he wants to get to those you know dirty spots. And I'm not gonna lie. Watching him last night in person, very good at passing. Very good at passing. Deceptively good at passing. Um, so that said, I, I think he's been a good slot in, and it's nice to see Glass start coming back in, but Tolvanen still being a scratch over some of these other people, it, that's still a sore spot for me. Um, just to go back to your points, so the Preds are on a point streak right now, obviously. We're, we've been, what, we had a three-game win streak, and then an overtime loss, and then a win last night. So very good stretch run right now. Yeah, it's a uh, nine points out of 10. Yeah, nine out of 10 points. That's fantastic. We'll take that all day long, especially to get us out of the gutter. For the Preds, I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah, we were on a three-game win streak. It was an overtime loss to yeah, Tampa to, Bay, and then we won last night. Yeah. But the reason why, and I'm just going to go back to these stats, it's Yossi. So he was non-existent. And he wasn't even in our top five, remember, last time, and points. And then all of a sudden, he's on two. So now he's almost caught up to a point-per-game basis again for Yossi. Um, Something was kind of off to start the season. It seems like he has found it. The power play looks a little bit more fluid. It's still not quite there, obviously. Um, You know, we're 28th in the league still, but it looks a lot better than it did. Uh, I'm going to put it like that. Well, I think we dug ourselves a big trench because there was like, what? The, what did we start the season? Like 0 for 24 on the power play? Uh, it was worse. It was like 0 for 30 something. Okay. Yeah. Something ridiculous. So that said, they are digging themselves out on the power play. But the thing that has been their saving grace is the penalty kill. As Coach Matt, Coach Matt always says, you live and die on, on special teams. Well, if you're not getting the goals, well, you better be, you know, you better be killing them. And they're now up to seventh in the league on the penalty kill, which is fantastic. So that's been really one of the only reasons why they've been able to to keep this win streak up, and the fact that Yossi is is definitely normalizing, and Soros is normalizing. It seems like he's really settled in once again. Another slow start for him, and then he settled in. It's been like that almost every single year with Soros. So, well, to your point with Yossi, you know we're looking at the roster. The last seven games. Yossi's been paired with three different people, with Gross, the, the scrub rookie, Fabro, who's a normal, and then also McDonough. So I wonder if him 
kind of finding his rhythm and groove is related to his pairing situation with his partner and trying to find the rhythm and chemistry between McDonough, who's a newcomer to the to the roster. So that's always that's always a big issue. I'm gonna say this from the looks of it, it seems like Yossi's just firing more instead of like passing. He's been way more aggressive the last several games, which is what we need. Um, a lot of those goals too, like even that power play goal, I think it was like a, a shot from him. Well, he had a power play goal against the Coyotes last night, but I think it was the first goal that Granlin got. I think it was him or Forsberg was shooting it hard into the into the traffic. So that's definitely their game plan now. They're not looking for the perfect shot. They're just getting the rotation, getting the cycle going, getting that front presence, shooting it, and getting those down and dirty like rebound goals. And that's what has been missing, and that's why I think his points are going up because he's now starting to get a, a lot more assists. He has 12 assists now, too. So uh, that's been creeping up for Yossi, um, but he just has to keep that up. Um, but yeah. yes, to Matt's point is I think the gelling was definitely off at the beginning of the year. We, we've had so many line blenders this year. Yeah, I think I would like to pay closer attention to that going forward. I need to look at him. You know, sometimes you kind of – we tend to watch the puck as fans, but it's nice to keep your eyes peeled on a player because you can kind of really notice what they're doing or not doing compared to their norm. And I kind of like to look at, take a look at him and see if his style of play and the plays they're drawing up is different based on his playing partner because, you know, different lines have certain have certain set plays and patterns they do. So I want to know – how often are they changing those? Is it changing based on line? Is it changing just based on week to week? Whatever the coach is trying to do a different play to see what what works and what doesn't. And that's just part of the feeling it out process of figuring out what works or doesn't. But I think I'd like to keep a sharp eye on it and just see if I can tell a difference based on who he's with. Uh, that said, too, uh, weren't we talking about the swap for Ekholm in the last episode? Because finally they swapped him back to his yeah. proper side. Well, guess what? Uh, Money Puck now has Ekholm and Carrier as the third best defensive pairing in the NHL right now. Are we surprised? But with Carrier, I can't believe that. Yeah, they're they're currently at uh, third. Yep. Lindholm and Clifton for Boston is slightly yeah, ahead. That's they're the man. And then Hamilton and oh, Shigan Halter. So for the Devils, which I'm not paying attention, like I said, yeah. the def- Devils defensive pairs. But that said, um, they've played 115 minutes together at home and Carrier, and their um, expected goals percentage is 65 points. I mean, it, it's very good. It's insanely good, actually. So that said, swapping him back over to his uh, rightful side obviously was the good choice. Um, yeah. Just saying. Uh, I knew... I knew that was going to be kind of weird for him to start the season, and it was. And you could see the growing pain. So uh, to your point, I think these blended lines and all the mix-ups in the defense, you're starting to see people finally settle into their position for the first time for the year. And hopefully you know, we can keep going in the right direction because 9 out of 10 points for the last game, that's incredible. Keep that up. Well, it makes me wonder what the difference is between the away games we did as we finished up the road trip from last time and to the homestand. So you got the game against the Kraken and the game against the Avalanche where the Preds gave up 10 goals. I mean, that was, it hurt. Like, Colorado I expected, but the Kraken I did not. And just to see the fact that Forsberg was the only one inside the Kraken game to get a goal, and then Tolvanen, Johansson, and Yossi get goals for um, Colorado, I'm sorry, for the Preds at Colorado was great, but they basically just got steamrolled both those games. So, 
let's just take those two and combine them together because we got uh, a couple other games after this to talk about. What is the, what was the failing of these two games compared to the homestand? Well, for the cracking game, Sora seemed off. Uh, I think he he started in that one, correct? He did. Yeah, that he did not look good in that one. There was one or two that I'm like, oh man, probably shouldn't have let that in, and it just kind of like piled on top of each other. And next thing you know, it was uh, very very bad, very quick. Now for the Avalanche game. Once again, speed. I don't think they play well against speed teams. They they're just not built for no, that. Yeah. They it, Heinz's lineup obviously because he has Samford and McCarron and all these other people in there. He wants that slower, grittier, whatever. Well, you're gonna get your doors blown off by these teams like the Oilers and the Avalanche. It's no surprise that the fast teams are the ones beating uh, the Preds, but the teams that are kind of slower or play that a similar game to ours, we tend to beat them. So it's it's a very interesting concept right now that like, yeah, our team's built fairly well for those types of games, but it's not good against other opponents. So what do we think about Jeremy Lalson? Like I man, I was telling Dale the other day, I said, um, Jeremy Lalson, I want to go out to Milwaukee so bad. I do not like him on the third pairing. I know they tried pairing him with McDonough and they just tried and tried and tried and just did not go in the Colorado game. Penalties galore by him. You know, he had every other homestand game, he's like turning the puck over. Penalties left and right. I'm like, I don't understand why John Hines loves having Lousen on here because he is such a terrible player. In fact, what I would have done is I would have sent him to Milwaukee and put uh, Jordan Gross back up. Yes. Because he played very well. Yeah, that, that's actually my, my point is like Gross moves the puck more like Yossi. Like he, he's definitely like a a more offensive style moving, you know, and play play style that matches with some of the people that are currently on our defense. But he's also more responsible. I mean, like Jeremy was like last night. I don't know how many times the puck just was like there, and he was doing something stupid with it, or or he back passed it, and it was like close to Soros or like a a near miss, and. I don't know. He seems more of a liability than an asset at this point. And I feel like we have way better prospects too, like in our system that have actually been contributing and been good. Like Gross has shown that he can be good too. He's already been called up and he's been getting game time. So I really don't know why they're going to do that, especially with Burrow being out. You know, like Burrow's out. That is, I understand that is a gap that we're trying to fill and that is a sore spot for us. But we do have somebody who has been a little bit more consistent, in my opinion, uh, than Lazon. That's just me. But honestly, every roster has a weakness. And for the Preds, it's always been third-pair defensemen. You just pick a traffic cone of the year. It's this year's Alexi Yemelin. It was the year before that's whoever, what's-his-face, you know. It's always a weak spot. But that's my point, is like we don't have to be a traffic cone. Yeah. Like, we don't have to have it. Like, we have people that could be a little better than that. Or, like, yeah, at least, even if we can't do better, at least show me something different. Put another guy in there, give me two or three other options just to say, hey, I know it's not working, but I'm trying. I'm trying to slot in this other guy, this other guy, you know. Yeah, I, I fully agree. But we can move on to the Rangers game. So, so that Rangers game was the game I actually went to live with uh, my wife, uh, just a date night to go see it. And I'm so glad, Matt, because I got to see that scrub. Parsinian, 
I got to see him do his first NHL goal and his first shot, and it was beautiful. I mean, he came over there. He was coming down the line. Alexis Lafrane was in front of him, and he literally runs around and pushes him away, then skates in front of the goalie, gets the puck in. Place went crazy. I knew right then I was like, this guy I want on our team because it's amazing. Because look at this. And the Admirals, he was posting almost a point a game. He had two goals and seven assists with the Admirals before he came up. And so he's on the first line. I mean, think of it, Matt, the travesty. He comes in and gets put immediately on the first line <laughs> with Forsberg and Granlin as a center. And man, he is just he's just amazing. Like, Matt, you've got to come to love this guy. Yeah, you, you know, here's a, here's a counterpoint. You know why that's a slap in the face? He's a seventh round pick. Pecorine was too. Yeah, but you can earn your time. Datsuk was like a sixth or seventh rounder as well. Maybe eighth, actually. Don't remember. I'm just trying to be conservative. But um, you can earn your time and show that you've got what it takes. But to take a seventh round rookie from the AHL and set him on the top line, that's really got us. You got some cojones on you, John Hines. Well, that's funny that you should mention it because, like Hines did say on. Uh, Parson that he has not been sheltered. That's what he said in his last interview. And I'm like, well, that's actually 100% accurate because he went from literally AHL to number one center. So um, he's been playing against top lines. So he hasn't been sheltered at all. So really what they did is they threw him off in the deep end and just said, here you go. You have no, you know, no floaty. There's some sharks out there. Have fun. And let's see what happens. I, I mean, they did do that. I'm, I'm not saying I like that he got put on number one center. Probably not what I would have done, but they did throw him out there and just I, let him go. I like giving the chances to the kids. You know, it lets them prove themselves. It lets them. It gives them a chance to succeed. You giving him great talent to play with, but it also sets him up for failure because what can you possibly expect of a rookie from the AHL? You want him to perform at the same level as a first line. It's just. It's a tough ask. It's a great accompaniment to try to get him an assist or get, get him a dish to somebody who can score a goal, but it's a tall ask of a rookie. At least it's paid out well, so that's a risk that's been rewarded. I'll ask you one question, then, Matt. Look at the lineup for the, uh, for the Rangers game. Tolvin is on the fourth line. You like him. What does he need to do to get off the fourth line and get maybe into the second line or the top line? Because we've, we've seen him pair occasionally on the top line, but he's never been just consistently top line. Well, let me tell you, Kyle. The other night, he came in there and scored a goal within the first four minutes of the hockey game. That's how you do it right there. I don't know what line he was on that night, but you keep scoring goals. But here's the deal. you got to give him time on the ice. If you don't ever play him, you let him ride the pine. He can't ever score. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the other last night, Samford was on the power play. You cannot tell me that Samford is better on the power play Sniper. than Tolvanen. Like, I, and by the way, spoiler alert, he gave up. Uh, last night was not a good game for Sanford, but it, it was basically a goal against. Uh, we had a shorthanded goal too, and I, it, it's it's hard. It's hard for me to swallow the fact that Sanford is out on the power play unit when Tolvin is sitting on the sideline, who is a known power play. You know, kind of like a specialist. Yes. Like that's his that's sure. his thing. Like you want to give him space so he can have his wrist shot shine and you need to put him on the opposite corner of like a Forsberg um I if my memory does serve me correctly I believe they were doing that last year where they had Forsberg on one side and maybe Tolvanen on the other and I know for a fact that he was at least on the second unit so you had that 
dangerous wrist shot on whatever unit it was or on either side. So you had to respect one side or the other with Forsberg or Tovenin on the ice. So I really don't know why he's not in. I'm still scratching my head over it. Um, we'll get to some of the more recent things, which I'm hoping helps. But yeah, I mean, outside of the Rangers game, it, I mean, it was a good win. Soros definitely saved them big time on that one, two to one. Thought it could have easily been, you know, a worse game, but um, they followed it up with another good win against, you know, the Minnesota Wild, the Preds B team. <laughs> yeah, I forgot Freddie Goudreau's on that. Yeah, he was, of course, he's the one that scored against us too. And like everybody's like freaking out because they're like, you know, oh, we should have kept him. But it's funny. Um, that black, the black ace from our playoff run is now on another team. And um, the Wild are just struggling for whatever reason. So that was definitely more of a defensive battle game. And I like the fact that it actually was a defensive battle game that we won. We won two in a row that were two in one games. Um, and that's, that's a good thing because, you know, there for a bit, it was a shootout. So slow the game down, actually do what you're supposed to do, and control it like we're supposed to. And we got two wins in a row right there. I'll sidetrack. You remember, you're talking about the Rangers game. This was this was the game that um, who was it? Tanner Janot wanted to get up and fight Ryan Reeves. So whenever this happened, I'm watching on the couch, and my wife is you know yapping about something nonsense. And I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" I got it from the couch. I said, "Oh my god!" I said, "This is a, this is huge." Right it was here. a big boy fight. I was like, "Whoa!" I said, "Shut up!" This right here is big news right here. This is going on. So Tanner Janot was fighting Ryan Reeves. I don't. Ryan Reeves got the better hand of him, but I was like, "Whoa, this is the main event right here." This game. That's all I cared about was that big fight. So honestly, it was fairly even. He did get like one at the end, and he. he I think uh, Jano lost his footing. Yeah, but Reeves but, ended up on top. But. but the tilt was like 30, 40 seconds. Yeah, and it was I'm just like one. I'm like, this is what you tune in for. I mean, yeah. this is two big boys. That's you know, my like, style of like, hockey, baby. And they were going at it for a long time, and neither one was going down. Like they both got the hits in, and then when Janelle lost his footing, I was like, oh, that kind of, you know, that's kind of unfortunate because I was wanting at least another 15, 20 seconds because they were already going for a long time, and the fans were loving it. Like it was. Both benches were glued to that one because that's that's two heavyweights right there, and Reeves is definitely a seasoned fighter, and Janot isn't. So it was nice to see him just kind of take that on and just go after him. So makes me wonder if that was kind of one of those are skating by, and Reeves like, "You want to fight? Yeah, here you're a fighter. Go? <laughs> yeah, you want to go?" So let's go on to the uh, Islanders game. So this was a game that I feel like we um, we almost crapped the bed. Because, you know, we come out there, we light the lamp early on, Forsberg gets a goal, and then, you know, Fabro deflects a shot to tie up. Fabro has a shot deflected by Adam Pellick to few minutes later tie it up. And I was like, okay, this is going to be kind of a game back and forth. And then out of nowhere, we just start firing goals left and right. And coming into this game, the Islanders were one of the best defensive teams in NHL, allowing an average of less than three goals a game. And it was like, you know what? I think we're going to do good. But I wonder if this game was a possible um, reflection of the Preds as a whole because the fact they let the lead slip away. I believe going into like the second, it was like yeah four like three one or four one or something like that. And next thing you know, Islanders come right behind us. We quit playing with the lead. We turtled. We as somebody said, we purted instead of saying predded because that's kind of what we do. And you know, despite the success we're having. There's too many games like this we're going to play with fire, and do you think that this game was indicative of something the Preds still need to work on? 
Yeah, totally. Um, last year it seemed like the Preds. Obviously, we weren't scoring a ton, but when we got the league, the lead, it seemed like we held on to the lead last year. Like we really did, especially towards those later games. I'm not gonna say you know that's like all Soros, but like towards the end there, Soros was also on a massive hot streak that got him into the Vesna conversation. You know, I mean, what he was, I think he finished third, right? Last yeah, year in Vesna. Top so, three, I think. like, he really turned it on last year towards the end. So, I, I would wager that, you know, these last couple games, Soros has been looking better and better and better. And I would hope that as time goes on, the defensive, you know, pairings kind of gel a little bit more so that, you know, these leads, we can't hold on to them. But, that is something I think they're going to struggle with over the next at least 10 to 15 games as there is some gelling issues and Soros gets back to 100% form because I, I don't think he was 100% to start the year. I will say this is also the first game we saw Yossi get moved to the right side and paired it with McDonough on the left. And I think so far, I think this has been a good pairing. We talked about it earlier. It seems like uh, McDonough may be playing a little more of that stay-home defenseman type role and giving Yossi the ability to come out and uh, be a little more aggressive with the puck. Almost reminds me of a almost a Shea Weber type of thing. Yeah, but I definitely did not like that third pairing of Lazan Fabro. Fabro has really struggled recently. Um, he's not looked good, and I I know for a fact that John Hines called him and Carrier out at the you know several games ago, saying that hey they need to step it up too because you know these were people that have been here for a bit, you know last couple of years. Um, Fabro just seems to not have developed to the player that people thought he was going to be. Um, I think it was like what was he Boston College or something like University when we drafted like he he was very high on the oh, yeah that the, team that team did very well on the charts as far as like they thought he was going to be a really good defensive player and somebody who could also contribute offensively um, and honestly he's not contributing a ton offensively and he seems to be more of a liability recently uh, defensively so that said you know we'll see but you know. Overall, good win. They were able to at least hold the fort down. They were able to actually score enough goals to to outpace the Islanders, who have been red hot. But they went into another game uh, with the Lightning, where they kind of struggled a little bit. Yeah, I felt like this game was probably the most complete game the Preds played all season so far. Because, you know, you got Forsberg on the top line with Parsinian and Granlin again. You've got McDonough and Yossi still on the top pairing. That comes with Carrier and... You know, the fact that we scored that power play goal two minutes in, I was like, oh, maybe Vasilevsky is not a good goalie this year. Because I'd heard, uh, Matt, there's already been talk about some people wondering if he's going to be, if he's as good as he was last year or not. Well, he's been the best goalie in the league for like six years. So I, he can have a year where he's like the third best goalie. I'm not that concerned. Well, once again, I, I, I think you've seen some of the contenders last year for Vesna struggle out the gate. I think they just need to gel. I mean, you have two of the top three in Vesna playing in this game. But, you know, I, I'm just saying, it, it, it takes some time to settle in as a goalie. It's very mental. Like, it's it, you're either on or not. But I will say this game was one of those, that was almost like a track meet at times. We talked about the Preds not having a lot of speed, but they seem to kind of hold it, hold their own with the Lightning for a bit. But you know when Kucherov's got the puck on his stick, he's eventually going to score in one way or another, and he did. You know, ties the game with the power play goal was on in the second. And then, you know, Niederreiter and Kilhorn both get a goal. Even strength, we're going in 2-2. And then the overtime, I really wish we would just have 
three on three overtime. You know, the next game's gonna shoot out, but I love watching three on three overtime. And as much as I'm not the biggest fan of the Lightning, I love watching them in overtime. Yeah, I, I the standout play in this game to me though was Soros. Um, I think it was even after the second period, he was already posting like two goals above expected because they were just peppering him, and they looked like you know. They were very high-danger shots. So that said, Soros was by far the star in this one. Definitely a return to form. You love to see it because this is what you need going forward from him. Even though in front of him they were struggling that night, he well more than made up for that. He more than made up for all their shortcomings and was able to pull out a point you know, with the overtime loss. Uh, regardless, because uh, what was it? It was a power play goal, though in OT. So, I mean, you got to give it to him. As soon as, as soon as the Lightning get a power play, you might as well just chalk it up because you got Kucherov and Stamkos out there on the ice, and especially in overtime, tons of space. So that said, I don't hang that on him at all. But yeah, Soros by far my star of the game for this one. Absolutely fantastic. Didn't deserve the loss, but uh, the team in front of him did not play as well as I thought. Well, the. Penalty by Ekholm was not even needed. It was kind of like exactly. it was like a stupid penalty. Get right up to him, and it was like, oh, well, there it is. I told I told my wife. I said, look, I said, lightning going on the power play on overtime. GG. I was like, we're done. You're done. And like two minutes later, here we go. But moving on to the last game, which is the most talked about right now, and that's going to be the Coyotes game. So we like to definitely call Coyotes games a trap game because it's just you know if you play down the Coyotes, it's a trap, and you know. Preds get the over, get the shootout win, uh, seven round shootout. I got noted here. Uh, that was insane. I kind of thought, you know, I was like, look, we're gonna get all the way here. Oh no, shootout! I was like, Coyotes are gonna beat us. And honestly, I was very surprised and happy for Cody Glass to get the shootout goal and kind of like to me cement himself that he needs to stay on the roster, and not on the bench, because it's kind of like if you want to make this team better, make it faster a little bit. Like Matt, Matt says with Tolvanen, keep Glass on the bench. And then, Daniel, you said earlier today that Sanford got sent down after the why. after the stupid penalty he took. So I'm like, okay, cool. If Sanford's out, let Glass stay in here more. Yeah. So watching this game, uh, I was actually at this one. So some of the standouts for this game, Duchesne, he was definitely everywhere in this one. Um, Parsonen was very good. Very, very good. Sorry, Matt. Uh, it just is what it is. He was playing fantastic. He had great passing, um, which opened up some of the game for Forsberg and Grandland to kind of move around, do their thing. Um, yeah, so Samford, it was in the third period. We had, what, two minutes and 53 seconds left, I think. And he just shoved a player who doesn't have the puck, like just completely shoves him in the back into the boards, takes a two-minute penalty, and it was – like literally the crowd was about to lynch him because like people in the cloud audibly gasped because they couldn't believe how bad of a penalty take that was like no reason for it. Wasn't any urgency. The he didn't, he wasn't even near it just, just because he got mad, whatever he makes a stupid play and it could have cost us the game. Fortunately, our penalty kill has been very good and it bailed him out. But when that happened, I literally was like, why is this guy in here? Why is Tolvanen not in over this person? Like, I don't get that. Like, Tolvanen's not doing that. Tolvanen's not smacking a guy like that in the back and knocking him into the boards when they don't even have the puck with two minutes left in the game. Yeah, that's just a bad frustration penalty. Like, I I, I don't get it, but 
Ironically enough, I was like, this man better not be in the game next game. And sure enough, he got, he not only is going to get scratched, he got put on waivers to get sent back down to Milwaukee today. So we're waiting to see if he actually clears. I think we should know by tomorrow, which I'm assuming he's going to clear. Probably will. So he's going to go back down to Milwaukee, which means that, you know, either uh, Yakov will come back from injury, which is fantastic. That's huge. And finally, Tolvanen doesn't have another person that he can battle to try to get into a spot because I, I still don't understand it. I don't think I will this year, but um, that, that's one thing that has to happen. They, they just need to get rid of some of these people, put them back down. You know, if we need a call up, it needs to be Tomasino. Let's be honest. He already knows the system. At this point, like this needs to be the team with some subs and then maybe one or two more from Milwaukee like that have already got experience on the roster. Uh, I'm not pulling up anybody else at this point to mess with it. Like like you said, nine out of the last ten points. So whatever we got going right now, don't mess with it. Get rid of some of the dead weight that has been really bad. Oh, by the way, Fabro, garbage in this game. Absolute garbage. He took a couple... Uh, he took a penalty, I think. Um... He also gave up, I think it was the first goal for the Coyotes. He got blown past. He he was just, he got caught watching the puck and he turned around. And next thing you know, defender was there, uh, the winger was able to beat him like cleanly. And he had a sh- perfect wide open shot against Soros. And I'm just like, that is all on you. And then like minutes after he took another penalty, put us on the kill. Fabro has not looked good the last cu- couple of games. So. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Like it, it's really a conundrum at this point. You hope Burrow comes back at some point and is good, and then maybe at that point, maybe you're talking about Gross and Fabro fighting for that last spot, which is crazy to me to think, because Fabro should have have developed more than he has now. He he just does not look good. Um, last last night was was a garbage game for him, and I know he. He kind of sensed it too, because you could tell he was kind of down in spirits. You know, like you can tell when players are feeling like pressure on the ice, and like he just didn't look like he was in it last night mentally. So, um, good, good win. Soros uh, obviously played well, but it's the Coyotes, man. Uh, it's it's always a frustrating game to watch because they always play down to the Coyotes. The Coyotes always play up to teams like the Preds, or like for whatever reason, I feel like the Coyotes own the Lightning. Too. It's just a weird league situation. But um, that said, you know, I'm just glad that they were able to pull out the win despite all of the the mistakes last night because there was a ton. Last two notes I have in this game is one is Bustad is a very tall man. He's huge. He's yeah. huge. Huge. And then Joey's um, slow mo shootout goal. Oh, which I remember when he first started doing that, people were getting so mad because it was kind of like. He kind of was or was not doing the forward motion, but the whole point is the puck's got to keep moving. And then when he beat Connor Ingram on that, I was just like, hmm, I ain't seen that in a while. I forgot just how nasty that goal is, that type. That one, he was a little faster than usual, I think. Like, he definitely had forward progress the entire time. It was a nasty goal. Um, I mean, let's be honest. Like, it, it's it's kind of you're like you're stuck in the middle because as a goaltender, you're like, okay, so if I go down, you know, he can still shoot over or, you know, deep left or right and then chip up. But also, if you don't go down, your five holes open. So, like, he can do a quick wrist shot and 
I, I don't know. I really don't know how you defend against it. I'm not a professional goalie by any means, but he seems to obviously have his niche, and it's working very well on the shootout. Um, and it's definitely more effective than some of the other people's shootout shots. I'll put it like that, Matt. Like there was some, yeah. there was some poor attempts last night, and you know I, I'm okay with him doing that. Duchesne's was pretty good too. He's he's got a great wrist shot. I, I feel like Duchesne always shows up for the shootout too. Um, the person who struggled here recently though on the shootout, and I just don't understand, is Forsberg. I think he's thinking too much, and he's just not using that wrist shot as effectively like he wants or used to. Um, it just seems like he's trying to be more fancy yeah. with his, and I don't like it. I just I think Forsberg's more effective getting some speed, picking his spot, and just ripping it. And you know, like he's got a great shot. Just do that from now on. But fortunately, Starless bailed him out. Uh, did really great in the the shootout, and they were able to pull out the win. So Matt, we're getting ready to close the show down. You got any stats for us we haven't talked about since last time? I got a, a couple things I'll mention here. So. Let me just give you a pop quiz. This was a thing I saw. I think maybe my wife was showing me a poll on Facebook or something of if you had to pick a guy, who are you taking, Crosby or Ovechkin? And I'd like for you guys to tell me who you'd take. Ovechkin. So this is very interesting, and I know what you're going to say, because they're dead even basically on points. Because coming into the game the other night, they were dead even on points, I believe. That's not an answer, though. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. Is like, do you want assists or do you want goals? You got to pick one, one or the other. I'll pick I'll pick goals, Ovechkin, sure. But they they're basically dead even. So uh, when my wife asked me that, I said, "Well, honestly, I'm taking Sid. I think Sid." And she was like, "Don't do any research and just tell me what you think off the top of your head." And I said, "I think Crosby is a more well-rounded player." Um. I agree. He's more talent. Ovechkin has a better shot, sure, but he's also kind of gifted his space, which allows him to be more beneficial and get as many goals because he gets a lot of power play time, open eyes, he can score more goals. So he might be a better uh, one-time sniper, but Crosby is a all-around great player. He's a passer. He's a shooter. He's a scorer. He's a he can. He's got hands. He's got high IQ. He's got good vision on the ice. So uh, we were looking. So anyway, I found some stats about uh, what's going on. So in their career, they have played 62 games against each other. So if you just compare them to one to another, they have exactly the same amount of points, uh, 1,423 points um, since their, let's see, they both debuted in 2005. So, uh, but if you look in points in the games that they played against each other, Crosby has 84 points, uh, 28 goals, 56 assists, and Ovechkin has 61 points, 32 goals, 29 assists. So Crosby 84, Ovechkin 61. I think it kind of goes to show you people always assume – we talk about Ovechkin a lot, and in recent years I think Crosby has kind of been underplayed. You know, he had that huge injury a couple of years back. They didn't know if he could come back. He's been fairly quiet recently, and everybody's talking about Ovechkin because every week in the NHL in the last two years, he's breaking some kind of record. So everybody's all over the Ovi train. I think we're kind of forgetting how good um, how good Crosby is. So what was the other thing I was going to mention about that? Um, so here is one. The most points through 500 career games, which Connor McDavid just passed uh, last week. He hit his 500th career game. Out of the three, Connor... Crosby and Ovechkin. Who do you think had the most points through 500 games? Sydney, because he came in on fire. I think. Well, 
you that that's a reasonable guess. It's actually uh, McDavid. McDavid is number one out of the three. He had the hottest start, and then Crosby, and then Ovechkin. Okay. So I think it's very interesting to note that that's two major categories, you know, major-ish, where Crosby really is kind of outperforming Ovechkin, but Ovechkin's the one breaking the record book. So I just thought that was interesting to see that poll and that discussion. Didn't they, the other night, I think there was something where they, they were showing their points, like total points, because obviously I, I too think that Sidney is a better well-rounded player. He's definitely more of an assist guy too. I mean, you know, that just is what it is. But their point, were like dead even going into the last game or something like that. Yeah. Like they were showing a graphic and I saw it online and I was like, that is the craziest thing ever because they literally were drafted at the same time. They've been in the league this whole time together and then they're meeting in a game together and they've literally scored the same amount of points in the NHL. Yeah. After like you talk about two legends that have just done it together, that it that's pretty incredible just to watch. Like we we got lucky with some great talent at that time period and they've just grown up together in the yeah. league. That was that was on this graphic as well. So they both had exactly fourteen hundred and twenty three games. That's insane. Um yeah, or points, sorry. It, but interestingly though, uh Ovi has played roughly hundred and sixty games more, which is maybe ten percent more games than Crosby. Yeah. Yet Crosby Injury. still has the same number of points as Ovi. So it's really interesting because I'm not a Crosby fan. If you guys know, uh, I I don't like I kind of like to hate on the boy, the chosen one that everybody loved back in the day, which was Crosby. So in recent years, I'm kind of reminiscing on him and romanticizing really how good he is. Now that everybody's kind of got off his butt and kind of on Connor McDavid as our savior, now I can go back to kind of appreciating Sidney Crosby without it being like the fashionable thing to say and the person to like at the moment. So just a little. Uh, Service announcement for Sidney Crosby. So, as far as a couple stats, I'll shoot you a couple real quick. Now, everybody's favorite uh, media quote is John Tortorella has now become Uh, the 12th head coach in NHL history and the first U.S.-born coach to reach 1,400 games. So, everybody loves him. And we alluded to the Bruins' greatness this year. They are now the fifth team in NHL history to have a season-opening home-winning streak of 10 or more contests when they beat the Flyers the other day. Yeah, That's all I got. My my favorite towards quote this year had to be that clip where they got asked what he needs to do, and he's like, we suck. Yeah. <laughs> what do you need to do better? Forward check. He just drops it and goes back. He's like, thank you, and he just leaves, and I'm like, that's pretty good. That's classic towards like I love him as a coach because he's always brutally honest. So Daniel, what games we got coming up for we uh, record next? All right, the next game is at the gr- Great Red Wings, Little Caesars Arena. Matt's going to be watching that game for sure, considering how well they've been doing. Um, then we go. Uh, let's oh, it's going to be at home with Colorado this time. So we have. Three more uh, home games, Colorado, Columbus, Anaheim. And then we have two away games against the New Jersey Devils and the Long Islanders. So we shall see where we're at after this stretch. Definitely some stiff competition in this one, though. So um, I, I don't want to say the point streak is going to end, but there's some good teams coming up. So we'll see. Well, maybe we'll be the ones who end the Devil's Point streak. But, guys, that's the show for today. If you like us, you can find us all on Music City Gold on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube at Music City Gold as well. And you can also find us at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Until next time, we will see you guys on the ice. 
You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.